Thank you, team. You can open your Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians. Meet me there, and we'll get into it this morning. We're back in our series in Thessalonians, and we'll be there for a little bit more. And then we have a a Thanksgiving message, and then I'm so excited that Christmas is coming. We have uh, a theme this year, if you want to know, for Christmas. It's called The Wonder of Christmas. We're going to try to recapture the wonder of Christmas. And so be encouraging friends and family to be here those four weeks in December as we prepare our hearts for that. Holiness and hope in a hostile world. Book of 1 Thessalonians. We're in chapter 2 and a little bit of chapter 3 this morning. So if you can get ready to take notes, there are notes on that back table. Uh, We encourage you to do those. We're not totally full yet, but we're glad to see you. We need to be evaluating when it's time to go back to two services. Um, We're right on that edge, folks. So if you really want us to have those two opportunities, 9 and 11 instead of 10, get a couple more people to come. I think if we fill a couple more spots, we'll probably say we need to start moving in that direction. So uh, we're we're watching it, monitoring that carefully. And and if you're uncomfortable with the amount of people in the room right now, uh, we we don't want it to be uncomfortable. We try to maintain... uh, those distancing things as much as we can, Uh, but we're right at that brink. We'll talk about it, I'm sure, this Tuesday night and make a decision about that. So thank you for attending, though. It warms my heart. It's actually what this whole passage is about today. So why don't we pray it in? Would you pray with me? You don't have to say anything out loud, but I ask you to pray this prayer. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just give that prayer to God. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, may you be glorified and everyone hearing this be edified and Satan be horrified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Key verse found in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. We've been using this. It kind of sets the whole book up. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul often prays for the churches he ministered with, and this is his constant prayer. He wants the church to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ, and that means the whole spirit, soul, and body being kept blameless or holy, righteous, and uh, that's one of the themes. And of course, we grab this from the video we used to set up the whole series. Following Jesus produces a countercultural, holy way of life. Everybody say holy. That responds to hostility with love and generosity that is motivated by hope in the coming kingdom of Jesus. So again, that's why we've titled this series, Holiness and Hope in a Hostile World. The big idea today is Christian fellowship, a longing to share, a longing to share. I don't know why Paul gets a bad rap. People tend to think of Paul as cold and callous. Maybe because he, he sends some correction out to the churches in his letters. But I don't get the cold part. People don't, don't they, 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 I just, I think he gets a bad rap of being cold. When in actuality, in every one of his books, he's very warm and encouraging. And actually, as you look at today's passage, you're going to see what he does. He uses a lot of familial wording. He uses words like brothers and sisters. He uses words like father and mother, son and daughter. Uh, Paul really had a warmth for him in the church. 
and he expresses that warmth. And uh, we're going to get into that a little bit today, this whole longing to share. Uh, it's a really good passage today. Let me read it as we go this morning. We're in 1 Thessalonians 2, starting in verse 17, and we're going to read verses 17 through 20, and I'll stop there and then we'll go on. 1 Thessalonians 2, 17, but brothers and sisters, there it is. There's that word there. It's either male or female, but it has to do with familiar love. These are not just, hey, people, or hey, you. This is a warm greeting. I look at you as brothers and sisters. So Paul says, but brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown, in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. I love Paul's talking to the church in a family way. Do you notice he used the word there, orphaned? I mean, there's, there's a play on familial words here you got to catch. You're my brothers and sisters, and we love one another in the church. And when we're not able to be together, it's like we were taken away. The word there is actually taken away. It has the uh, connotation of somebody being kidnapped, a child pulled from his parents. That's what Paul is saying. It, it, it would be traumatic for the child who is separated from his parents, but it's also... Incre- incredibly hard for a parent who's not with their child. We all watched the news lately when Gabby uh, was missing. Remember that on all the time. Everybody's wondering where's Gabby and to find out she was murdered uh, was awful. And you could just imagine mom and dad sitting there at home. She's been taken from us. Well, that's what Paul is using. These kind of words, we were orphaned. We were ripped apart from one another. Now I remind you, don't forget, there are people trying to raise problems from Paul saying he had abandoned these people. Remember, he had been there and launched this church and then had to go, and he's, he's launching other churches and other places, and people were saying, Paul doesn't care about you. He came here and started this church, and he's left you. He's abandoned you. And Paul writes back, no, you're not abandoned. I love you. Uh, uh, we were separated uh, in physical, but not by, by mental. Paul says, I'm thinking of you all the time, and I didn't abandon you. We are separated. First thing you need to know today when we look at this passage is true love means we will want to be together. Everybody say want. We will want to be together. Paul wants to be with this church in Thessalonica, or Thessalonica, however you want to say it. He wants to be there. He's thinking of them. He's constantly praying for them. But physically, they are apart. Uh, I did some research in the book of Acts, and I was trying to find out. There was an incident that happened with a guy named Jason, of all things. You didn't know there was a Jason in the Bible. But there was a, a separation that happened in Acts uh, I th- believe it was uh, somewhere like in 17 where they were separated from each other. I thought I wrote those verses down. I must not have. Um, Paul was often in Athens and Corinth alone for long periods of time, separated. Uh, being alone can be awful, 
I love dragging my wife with me when I do ministry. She's my travel buddy. I'm so glad she went to Texas with me. Uh, I can do it. I did it for five years. I don't know if you know this. Before I came here as your pastor, I was a youth pastor for 20 years. Then five years, I was just an international speaker. I traveled the world, and, and a lot in the States, but some overseas, and spoke. And a lot of times, I had to go alone. But I love it when Julie could come with me. It's just to be alone is just, it's, it's hard. It's harder. Uh, but to have somebody with you. Now, we went to Texas, and uh, we'd never been to Amarillo uh, it's flat, and there's no trees, and it was hot. That's what they say down there. It's hot. It was. Uh, it got to be 90. That was hot for them, actually. Um, but it just you can see forever, as far as I can see. So like 14 miles, I think, as far as the eye can see, it's, until the you know the curve of the Earth takes away what you can see. It's just nothing but desert. And and Julie right away is like, there's got to be snakes and spiders here. She's worried about snakes and spiders. They put us up at a camp. We, we did this whole marriage conference at a camp. And uh, so she was worried about snakes and spiders. And then wouldn't you know it, the people were like, yeah, we got something. It's really the scorpions you got to watch out for. Oh, that was a whole new thought. <laughs> oh, going to bed that night, Julie was not happy. She's like, man, make, keep a flashlight by you. And if we have to go potty, we're going to make sure we check the whole room first. And I just love having a partner with me instead of being all alone, you know. Uh, it, 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 there's something about that camaraderie, that partnership, that sweet fellowship that you have with somebody. And when Paul has to go it alone, it's hard on him. And doubly hard is when people are making it sinister, like he abandoned you. So I hope you didn't do that as a church. Pastor abandoned us. Went up to Barakal, now he's playing around in Texas. I mean, don't think I abandoned you. I actually miss you. Quite often as your pastor, when I'm not with you, I meet other people from other churches and we, they remind us of you. I'm like, that, that's their Jim Spezia. You know, you meet somebody and you're like, oh, that's their, their Jim Bongiorno. And, and, and quite often, as your pastor, you need to know that if I do get to travel, I enjoy traveling, but it's not abandoning you. It's, it's in hope of getting some rest and ministering and expanding ministry. But Paul wanted to make sure these people know that there was true love. He wants to be together. With this comes the thought, Desire to see each other stems from genuine care. A desire to see each other stems from genuine care. We can all look back in recent history and remember when we weren't together on Sundays. Yeah, you tuned in. And, and we, we, we shut down here at Oakwood for a while. I know there's people say we should never have shut down, but I'll still stand behind the decision that we were trying to do our best. It was crazy times. Nobody understood what was happening. There's no training for uh, worldwide pandemics anywhere in ministry. We were making it up. Remember, I told you guys, it was like building a jet while we were flying. It was crazy. It's, it's just, who knows? And so we did what we thought was right. I'll stand behind it to this day. But nobody thought it was great. You need to know that nobody was excited about shutting down church services and just going online. Some people thought it was awful and we were terrible people for doing that. And I understand those sentiments. It all is wrapped around this point. We desire to see each other because there's genuine care. I preached to this empty room for months. It was awful. Uh, that camera, me and that camera and what? We had four people, Shane, four or five at the most to make things happen. That was the best part of it. I remember a couple of months in, wasn't it? I'm sitting there preaching to these empty seats, and, and all of a sudden I came in one Sunday, and, and you guys had organized and taken pictures uh, and sent them in, and Melissa 
taped your faces on all the chairs. They, she even tried to put you where you normally sit. And so I came in and there's, there's literally 200 plus pictures on all the, and I just broke down and cried. It just it got me. I'm like, oh no, and I got to preach. And I was so emotional seeing you all, you know, because we hadn't been together. I, I'll let you know as your pastor, that was that was hard times. And the thing I heard from many of you as I would see you and at your homes or we would see each other out and about, uh, when are we going to be able to come back together? When are we going to see each other? And I remember being here because I was here all week long. I never stayed home. We worked. I worked here and we never quit. But uh, I would see people their first time back. They would walk in the building and be like, oh, I missed this. I forgot. You hadn't been here. You hadn't seen one another. And to see each other was so refreshing. It was so good. Again, I hope you understand, nobody wanted to shut down our physical services, but we did what we thought we had to do at the time. And we would probably make that same decision again based on the same circumstances. And we made our own decisions on when to come back together and how to come back together. I think we went through what? Phase five. We had different phases for our plan. The, the team met. We talked about the COVID response team. We were always working to get back together. We started by gathering outside. You showed up and it was the summer of hot Sundays. Remember? Every Sunday was 95 and humid and we did it anyway. We met outside and it was so good Everybody kept saying it. Pastor, it's so good to be together. That's the right thing, together. We're experiencing a new ministry paradigm that many people aren't coming back. That's a hard thing. Some can't. If you're watching from home, I'm not indicting you. There are some people that are home that need to stay home for now. And it's wonderful. I'll get an email once a month from some families. Pastor, we're still with you. We watch you. We watch you. We're not gone. And that's encouraging. But they can't come back yet. Whether they got somebody compromised in their home, that they're just being careful. We get that. But we have discovered that some really liked not having to get up and come to church. Some really got used to the way of like, I could, I could attend in my underwear. I can just walk out with my cup of coffee and... And then if I want to go to the bathroom, I just leave. I don't care. I can, you know, or I can make my shopping list while pastor's yapping up there. You know, and they like being home. And they like being, and, and you know what? We, we can't change that. But we will say that's, that was never the intention. Being separated was like what Paul talks about. We're going to hear about it in a little bit, how awful it is. Coming back together is wonderful, wonderful. To see each other comes from genuine care. Secondly, our enemy works to hinder our togetherness. In verse 18, Paul very clearly says, Satan blocked our way. Now, if you look back at Acts, you find out that they were really being in trouble in all these towns. They're actually running for their lives in some of these towns. And so you can read it in Acts, what's happening at this very junction when he's away from Thessalonica church. He's in Philippi, he's in Corinth, and he's, he's in Athens, and he's running for his life quite often in the middle of the night. And so he, he's really putting this on the fact that there is a demonic uh, hindrance to keep us from being together. I believe there is a demonic hindrance today too. And it doesn't come in the form of a physical thing because we had that short period of time where we physically couldn't gather. But after that comes the oppressive hindrance. Do we come back and gather together? Should we? Do we? Do I need to? I don't need that. There's so many things we can't do when we're separated. It's hard to 
encourage one another when we're separated. It's hard to serve one another when you're separated. So Paul puts this all on Satan, saying Satan keeps us from that, and Satan will keep you from that as well. I pray that Oakwood is an effective place for families, for people to come and be connected. I'm going to tell you something my mama taught me a long time ago. My mama always said to me, to have friends, you have to be a friend. You have to put yourself out there and be friendly. Uh, She's from the South, so she would add, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. I like that. Let that sink in. If it's, it's insidious what the evil one will do in your mind. If you choose, um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know, I'm, I'll stay home. I don't need to be there. And you stay home one week, two weeks, three weeks. And, and it becomes more of a pattern to stay away than it does to come. It definitely becomes easier the more you do it. And the more accustomed you get to not being there. And then all of a sudden, Satan does that and nobody cares about me. Yeah, and you start doing the moping thing. Well, nobody called on me. I'm telling you, you've got great elders here and we all have you in separate groups and we try to reach out to you. I know we have things faulty to correct. We hear it all the time. Somebody's mad at you, pastor, because you didn't go to the hospital and visit them. We didn't know you were sick. I mean, I I love that one. That's my favorite one. Don't tell us, don't let anybody know, but then I'm in trouble because I didn't come to the hospital. Knock it off. That's Satan being insidious. I mean, come on. If we know, we try to care. We try to reach out. We have many opportunities, many different reaches. But Satan's insidious. He'll make you feel that separation. He'll make you bitter and angry. I so appreciate Jeff Bessinger and going through the bait of Satan. We end up having 19 or so people come every Wednesday. We study through the book, The Bait of Satan. And what is the bait of Satan? He wants to get in there and mess with your mind and get you bitter. He, He gets a hold of you if he can just get you bitter. And it can be so many things. Ah, oh, Satan's so, he got it so easy right now. Let's get people divided about politics. Let's get people divided about shots. Let's get people divided about masks. And let's get people divided about Michigan or Michigan State. Let's get them divided. We'll just divide them. We'll divide them. That's all we got to do. We got to find that one thing. Some of y'all are going to go home. I'm not going back there. He wore green. Oh, yeah. yeah. Satan, just get in there. And he just, he's, Jeff, isn't it true? It's insidious. All he needs is just a little bit. And he gets in there and he works on you. And that bitterness becomes a root that grows deep and it grabs people. Jeff came to me wanting to do this because he saw it happening here at Oakwood. He said, I hear people being ugly. I hear people out there being upset. And they're turning people and they've left. We can't control that, but Satan wins. Can I just say, I hate it when Satan wins. I hate it when Green loses, but not nearly as much as I hate it when Satan wins. I hate it when Satan wins. The enemy works to hinder our togetherness. Being together results in the overflowing of joy. And I love this part. Paul says, what is our hope, our joy, our crown? Indeed, you are. You are. Thank you for honoring Pastor Preciate and Munch. Pulled it out the last minute. Boy, they got the last five Sundays in the month. Pulled it out. Whew. You know. Oh, thank you for honoring your pastors. And that's just kind to be kind to your pastors. But can I tell you what we as pastors really do know? That's nice to be appreciated. But you, 
You, the church, you're our joy. You're our hope. You're our crown. Those words, I don't have time to preach it today. Those words are great. Joy has a connotation of boasting. And again, we're not supposed to boast in anything but the Lord. That's why Paul always says, I boast in the Lord because of you. I love you. And he's always bringing it back to the Lord, but he's happy, the joy. The hope, the crown, that's that thing you win in the Olympics. The the wreath is what he's talking about. You are our victory. It's you. I love how Paul loves the people. And he's letting them know, man, I'm telling you what, if you, you as a church, you want to appreciate your pastors, coffee, coffee is great. Trust me. I'll love you when I'm taking my coffee, you know, cards and getting coffee. Thank you. That's a great appreciation. But you know what even is better than coffee? Is if you're growing in the Lord. And pastor gets to look at you and say, oh, God, thank you for doing that work. Oh, God, thank you for doing that work. When people are growing and moving toward maturity, I got six things that I want to see. You deal with uh, a contra... Well, I got to look at my glasses. You deal constructively with reality. That's a sign of maturity. When I see somebody dealing constructively with reality, they're not just uh, copping out and they're not blaming other people. Dealing constructively with reality, I thank the Lord for that. When you're able to adapt to change, oh, I'm so thankful for that because change happens. We're assured of that, right? Death, taxes, change. Those things will always happen to us. Are you adapting to change? So many people get so upset when things don't go the way they want. Freedom from symptoms of anxiety and tension. When I see the Lord working in you and you're free from anxiety and tension, I praise the Lord for that. I see him doing a work growing you in maturity. When you're satisfied to give and not receive. Oh, when we give without expecting anything in return. I love that sign of maturity. When we relate to others consistently and we redirect our anger to constructive ends. All these things are signs of believers growing in their faith. And that's my joy. That's my hope. That's my crown. That's what will give me my smile while I drink my coffee. I'll be pleased. That's victory. That's what we love to see. And that's what Paul is talking about here in this first section. His hope, his joy, his crown. He's not buttering these people up. This is not cheap flattery. When you read this, you need to understand there's true, genuine love and care. Second thing we see in this passage is found then as we move into chapter 3. Let me read it. Let's just do verses 1 through 10. So... When we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who was our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He's told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. 
The second thing I see in this passage is true love means we will strengthen and encourage each other spiritually. We want to be with each other. We'll want to be seeing each other face to face, as Paul longed to do. But we will be strengthening and encouraging each other spiritually. I want to say that strength and encouragement is often costly. Notice here that Paul sends Timothy. It would be like me getting to Texas and saying, I'm so worried about the church. Julie, I'm sending you back. And I'm going to live here with the scorpions by myself. I mean, you need to think about that. Paul was literally sending his only comrade at that point. His only help to be alone is awful. But Paul thought it important for them to be checked up on. Again, people are spreading bad rumors that he abandoned you. He doesn't love you. Paul's like, no, I do. I care so much. It's going to cost me. He sends out Timothy to strengthen and encourage them. And the strength and encouragement that is needed is specifically spiritual. Everybody say spiritual. spiritual. How many of you like to be strengthened and encouraged about general things? You just, you know, raise your hand. You're like, I, I like it when somebody reaches out to me and, and, and we just finished our treehouse family night, six weeks of that. And, and, you know, I got to sit in my office and write thank you notes to people. Just thanking them. Just, man, I so appreciate your time that you gave. It's good to get that encouragement. It's good to get that 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 strength from serving but what paul is talking about isn't just that general you know uh, we call them candy and flowers and cards you know we had a, a pastor on staff in battle creek and he was called the care pastor and i'm like i want that job all he does is hand out candy and 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 cards and i mean that's a good job just everybody loves you because you love them it's great Oh, man, being a lead pastor stinks. You've got to deal with problems, man. But what he's talking about is not candy and cards. He's talking about spiritual strength and courage. That's his main concern. I care about you as a church. I know your pastors do and your elders do. But our... Sorry, Deanna. You know, these pumpkin actually fall. That's what it says on them, so... I'm just making them live up to their potential, okay? We care about you and your struggles in daily life, but what we really are most concerned about, your spiritual walk. That's what we're charged with. We're, we, we want you to be, you know, I'll send out birthday cards. And most of them get there late. How many got a late birthday card for me this year? Probably most. Yeah, I'm sorry. You get, I've got two different ones. One that says, hope you had a great birthday. And then I got another one that says, have a great birthday. And I pick. Well, I'm like, oh man, I'm a couple weeks behind. I'll send you birthday. We want you to have a nice birthday, a great anniversary. But that's not my main concern. That's not our main concern as pastors and elders. Spiritually. Spiritually. We're charged with your spiritual growth and we're charged with developing you as disciples of Jesus so that you could develop others as disciples of Jesus. Strength and encouragement are hindered by trials. I notice that Paul does this twice. First, Satan, Satan d- jumps in and he won't let us be together. He'll keep us from a fellowship. He'll either ruin us with some bitterness, some strife in there, and we don't work it out and we separate. He loves that. Satan wins. Or the second thing comes along and that's trials. He tells them in verses 3 through 5, yes, you should expect hardship. You're going to be persecuted. And strength and encouragement are hindered through trials. What does that mean? How do you handle things like that? Satan's a liar. 
He's a murderer. John 8, 44, if you want to make a note in your notes there, the Bible itself in John 8, 44 calls him a liar and a murderer. But it also tells us in Ephesians 6, 12 about the dark powers. Your enemy is not flesh and blood, but it's against the evil forces of this world. And so you need to be reminded your trials even, the things that come and you suffer, those are demonic oppression. Satan wants to stop you from having fellowship with this church, and he wants you to stop from having fellowship with the Lord. Sometimes that comes by way of trials. How do you respond when things go wrong? How do you respond? I saw this, and it's been with me, and I'm going to share it with you. A person's spiritual maturity is not truly visible until they don't get their way. Then you see the real person. How many times has this become true in a body? Somebody doesn't get their way. Things aren't done the way they think they should be done. And how you respond to that. Here's the thing. Some of you are like, yeah, you, you guys got to make sure that never happens. I don't even know what to say to that. Just you be perfect and never disappoint us. Good luck with that. That's not going to happen. I can't control what you get disappointed over. And so it's going to happen. You're going to face hardships, trials, and things that you're not. It's how you respond to that. I love people that come to me and tell me, Pastor, that, that one thing, that's not my thing. But I'm with you. I'm with you. I had people that came to me and say, oh, I wish we hadn't shut down during COVID. I wish we'd kept meeting. Okay, I understand that sentiment. I wish we hadn't done that either, but we had to. We did do it. But the people that came to me and said, that's not what I would have done, and I disagreed with it, but I'm, I'm understanding, I'm with you, and you're in charge, you've got to make those calls. Yes, thank you, Christian mature person, for understanding. You don't always get your way. I don't know what's coming, but I do know because of what we've done in America with everybody gets a ribbon, everybody gets a participation trophy, everybody wins, everybody's got to get their way. And everybody's growing up thinking I should always get my way. I didn't grow up that way. How many of you didn't grow up that way? Mom and dad let me know. It's not about you. I had that adult male in my life that I remember coming to me after a youth youth service we used to do the youth service where one of the teens got up to preach and then the teens were the band right and that was like oh man we were at a baptist church i was at a baptist church back then and we had youth night with drums and guitars and a whole nine yards and that baptist church wasn't so used to that and i remember watching and seeing oh my goodness who am i gonna have problems with and there was an old guy and he would stand and he wouldn't sing the music was happening he wouldn't sing and i thought oh no he's not singing he's gonna be mad i had breakfast every Tuesday morning with this gentleman and other guys. Every Tuesday morning, I thought, oh, Tuesday morning is going to tear me apart. But I did notice, even though he wasn't singing, he had a huge smile on his face. Just a huge smile. I thought, that's weird. I couldn't wait till Tuesday. Tuesday came, breakfast, he came, showed up. He's probably in his late 70s at that point, maybe 80, I don't know. And, and he came to breakfast that Tuesday, and he's like, uh, Pastor, I, I so enjoyed youth night. And I was like, oh, I, I was wondering what you're going to say. I noticed you weren't singing. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. I don't get that music. I don't understand that music. That's not my cup of tea. He said, but 
while they were singing, I'm looking at that teenager on the guitar and I pray for him every week and here he is serving the Lord and I smiled and I looked over there and the kid on the drums, I pray for him every week and he's serving the Lord, he's at church. So I was just, I couldn't sing with you because I don't understand that syncopated music, but I was with you. And he told me this, I'll never forget it. Many of you have heard it, my favorite quote. He said, you know, I've come to learn this thing. It's not always my cup of tea. But when it's not my cup of tea, somebody else is getting something to drink. I thought, praise the Lord for a mature believer. We don't always get our way. What do you do when you don't? I'm just telling you this morning, how do you respond when you don't get your way? A mature believer doesn't pout, doesn't run, doesn't hide. SIN, by the way, an acronym for SIN, self-inflicted neurosis. Amen? Coming from the chief neurotic person. SIN, S-I-N, self-inflicted neurosis. Whenever we make church all about us, you're going to face disappointment and it's going to be a struggle. Do you come to be served or do you show up with an attitude of a servant? When you show up as an attitude of a servant, you realize that it, 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 there's an opportunity, an opportunity. Paul's trying to teach this church, don't listen to those people who are saying, I abandoned you. Don't listen to the negative ninnies. Just, just keep growing in the Lord. You're my hope, my joy, my crown. I love you. We care about you. That's why we want to be together, and that's why we want to strengthen and encourage each other. The third thing we see here is true love means we will see results. How does it wrap up? It wraps up with verse 11 through 13. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make, you, make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. What a great prayer. It would be a good study to go through all of Paul's books, by the way, and read his prayers for the church. I see a couple of things that he prays for here. Paul prayed, overcoming evil hindrance. Again, that's what his, his whole thought of this section is, is I know you're, you're facing satanic oppression. You're coming by way of trials. He's out to get you. He wants to separate you from the church. He wants you to stop because you got hurt or you didn't get your way, or it's not what, exactly what you wanted. Those are just easy things. Satan can pluck those anytime he wants. Paul prays that we'll overcome those separation things. They're separated physically by miles. Paul prayed, I pray that God will clear the way so that we can, I can come to you. I pray for Oakwood that God would clear the way so that we would be together, not just physically, but together in unity. Paul prayed, gathering for spiritual progress. What does he pray for them? He prays that they will grow in faith. Strengthen your heart so you'll be blameless and holy. And then he prays for love increasing. That your love may increase, and not just increase, that it has to overflow. Overflow. Isn't it great when God keeps giving love and you can't do anything, you can't contain it, it just has to flow out. And that's what it does. Come around the church. Be around his people. We've got a pie prayer and praise coming up in November. It's a rare time that Oakwood comes and we just sit around the table. No, no plan, no big, it's just we sit around and eat pie. It's a beautiful thing. I encourage you to come. If you're going to stay home and say nobody cares about me, I want to remind you what my mama said. 
To have friends, you've got to be a friend. You definitely attract more flies with honey than you're going to do with vinegar. Show up. Let your love increase. Then it'll overflow. Paul prayed living blameless and holy. He, he's concerned about the people that they would. And team, why don't you go ahead and come up, Tracy. Let's come on up and get your team here to pray or play some music as we get ready to close out today. Four things that I see that Paul is praying for. Is there no... Four things, overcoming evil hindrances, gathering for spiritual progress, increasing in love, living blameless and holy. That's almost like a church motto. That could almost go on a wall somewhere. Uh, That's a great one. Paul prayed for the church these positive things, and I pray that for you as well. And at the end of our service, uh, Wendy, I'm going to have you do double duty. We're going to go to music And when the music's done, I'm going to come back up and I want to give this benediction because I'm going to pray Paul's prayer for the people. Let's stand and let's get ready to worship. Let me close in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for Paul's love for the church. God, I'm I'm thankful to see a, a familial type of a love where they see each other as brothers and sisters. They they love one another, uh, fathers and mothers to children and sons and daughters to their parents. God, I, I just see that in Paul, him trying to express that the church is for togetherness. Even when there's hindrance, it shouldn't keep us from loving one another. God, that we might care. God, that we might get out of ourselves and serve with the spirit of a servant so that we might not be sifted by the evil one who loves to plant these thoughts in our minds about I'm not accepted, I'm not loved, I'm not cared for. God, I pray everyone here is accepted, cared, and belonged for. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.